Hello everyone, welcome to the Archives Guy podcast. Episode 6, Preston, the German settlement with an English name. This episode has been a little delayed in producing due to the holiday season mainly. I also put it on hold to put together a special episode devoted to the Preston Springs Hotel, which has been in the news lately. If you're interested in learning about the history of it and the other buildings that made up the hotel corner, please check out this special episode. I've also taken my time with this one as I recently bought a drone and decided uh, to use it to shoot some footage and to try and make this my first video episode. I hope you enjoy some of the sights of Preston uh, via the drone. Now we have already covered the early history of Galt and Hespler in previous episodes. This time we're going to go into the early history of my neck of the woods, Preston. As with those episodes, we go back to the late 1700s, early 1800s, when European settlers arrive in this area. There are several groups that settled the area of Waterloo County in the 19th century. None more prominent than the Pennsylvania Dutch, or Deutsch, as they were of German-speaking origin. Many emigrated uh, from the United States after coming from areas from what uh, became United Germany, along with Switzerland, Austria, and the Alsace-Lorraine region of France. Many of these settlers were Mennonites. The land upon uh, which they came to settle was part of Block 2, as the land that became um, Hespler was. It had recently been acquired from the Six Nations Indigenous Peoples through a land speculator named Richard Beasley. To learn more about the Six Nations and Indigenous history in our area, please check out episode one of the podcast. Now, in Jim Quantrell's book, A Part of Our Past, he noted that it was only by chance that their leaders learned sometime later that Mr. Beasley had overextended his finances and that his creditors held by placing a lien against the land that had been sold to the Mennonites um, called into question uh, the ownership of the Mennonite lands. Now in a precarious legal position regarding the land, yet unwilling to walk away from their new homes, the Mennonites, in 1803, reached an agreement with Mr. Beasley to purchase an additional 60,000 acres of unsurveyed land. The money paid for this land would then be used to pay off Mr. Beasley's creditors, thus ensuring that the Mennonites possessed clear title to their lands. With these financial arrangements in place, there remained only the need to raise the cash needed to complete the deal for the 60,000 acres. Not surprisingly, the local Mennonites, led by Samuel Bricker and Daniel Erb, turned to their brethren in Pennsylvania. After considerable debate, a loan was arranged and the German company was formed as the vehicle to sell off the 60,000 acres. The money raised from the land sales would uh, be used to repay the land. Now, the German company lands composed 60,000 acres of the more than 90,000 acres that made up Block 2. Much of that today includes Preston, Hespler, Blair, Kitchener, then called Waterloo, then called Berlin, Waterloo, and other areas of Waterloo County, now Waterloo Region. Areas such as Galt and Dumfries were in Block 1, so they were not included in these lands, as we discussed uh, in Episode 2, dealing with the settlement of Galt. Among the first subscribers to the German company was John Erb, who would become the founder of Preston. He acquired 7,500 acres, including land at the confluence of the Grand and Speed Rivers. John Herb Sr. was born in Lancaster County, Pennsylvania in 1764 to a Mennonite family of Swiss descent. Herb and his wife, 
settled on the Speed River lands in 1805 and built a sawmill on the banks of the river in 1806. A grist mill followed in 1807. The sawmill has long since disappeared, but the grist mill was the beginning of a flour milling business, which is operated continuously on that spot to the present day. The complex has changed uh, much over time, with the grist mill being um, uh, significantly enlarged by John Erb's grandsons between 1864 and 1878. During this time, they also constructed a dam across the Speed River to better focus the flow of water power to the mill. This process would ultimately cost the Erb family significant as it accumulated a lot of debt for the family. They ended up selling the mill complex to the Cherry Brothers, Samuel and John. It, is no, it was known as the Cherry Mill until 1923 when it was purchased by F.K. Morrow. It was later known as the Dover Flour Mill and today it's home to P.H. Milling. And the site is re uh, recognized as the oldest continuing, continually operating industrial site in Waterloo Region. It was around Mr. Herb's Mills, known locally as Cambridge Mills, that the settlement that grew into Preston began. It was not Herb's intent, however, to create a town. His mills, rather than serving as an industrial foundation of a town he envisioned, were built to serve the needs of his fellow rural Mennonites. Herb consistently refused to sell land for commercial development, and it was not until his death in 1832 that his lands to the south of the uh, Speed River were surveyed and divided into lots. Herb is buried uh, in Haggy Mennonite Cemetery, with Herb Street in Preston thought to be named in his memory. Now John Herb has died, and his children took ownership over the family lands. His son Joseph first enlarged the grist mill uh, his father built in 1807. He added a distillery, a general store, and a cooperage. The children of John Herb had the family lands surveyed with the intention of selling them and enlarging the settlement. The task of surveying the land fell to William Scalick, a surveyor, conveyancer, and justice of the peace. Scalick completed the survey of Herb's lands in 1834. The linear shape of the survey, with virtually all the buildings in the settlement stretched out along the great road from Dundas, is said to have reminded him of his native town in England, and he gave the name Preston to the settlement. So there you have it, a German settlement with an English name. Quantrell's book also notes that the surveying of the land led to an influx of trades, artisans, and craft workers, mainly young German immigrants. The population grew from 250 to about 600 from the years 1834 to 1846. By 1855, it was almost 1,700, with 70% uh, of them being of German descent. Preston's location made it an ideal stop for travelers, especially with its eight hotels and taverns. By this time, Preston was attracting travelers from all over, and this was in part due to the discovery of the town's mineral springs that Preston would become famous for. The stinky water was believed to have been discovered by Joseph Erb in the 1830s accidentally. Erb was looking for salt, but discovered what became known as the Sulphur Springs, when initially, uh, which originally, initially thought to be worthless, but became anything but due to its supposed healing properties. It's worth noting that these were cold springs and not hot springs, as there wasn't any volcanic activity in the area. This didn't stop people from promoting that they were healing springs. Preston soon became the destination for those looking for relief from their various ailments. 
In a part of our past, it is noted that three major hotels sprang up to serve people looking at the, the healing properties of the springs. These hotels would include the North American, the Del Monte, and finally the Sulphur Springs Hotel. Numerous medical treatments were offered to treat a whole range of conditions, from arthritis to everyday aches and pains. How effective these treatments were is anyone's guess. It may have been more marketing than fact. Preston's Hotel Corner became famous for these services and for the amazing hotels themselves. With the recent events uh, involving the Preston Springs Hotel, once known as the DeMonte, as I said to you earlier, I did a special episode on the Hotel Corner, so if you're interested in learning more, please check it out. For over 130 years, this corner was home to at least one of these iconic structures. With the dawn of 2021, they're all gone. But it is my hope with podcasts like this, memories of them and our history in general will live on. Preston became famous for more than just its incredible hotels. It also uh, was the home of the first free school in which, uh, what became the province of Ontario. It wasn't a free school as uh, our uh, today's. Um, before the cost would be the responsibility of the parents alone. With free schools, the entire community would bear the costs of education. The Preston Public School was built in 1838, and it was Otto Klotz, a founding member of the Preston Public School Board, who pushed for the school to be a free school, as he believed it was the duty of local government, not individual families, to pay for children's education. It's worth noting that this was over 20 years before it became the, Nor uh, the norm in Ontario by 1871. You also can't speak about Preston's history without mentioning railways. Many towns in the mid-1800s sought the construction of railways to help connect their communities with those around them. It made travel between them easier, and it allowed for the transportation of goods and materials both to and from. Quantrell's book notes that Preston was eager to secure its own railway and the prosperity that they believed came with it. Preston was successful when a, a branch of the Great Western Railway was built in 1856. However, the expected benefits didn't materialize. Preston experienced the opposite, and it struggled to grow over the next 30 years. The reasons were in fact that the cost of the railway was enormous, and the benefits of the railway were often prioritized for the shareholders and not the town that it ran through. Earlier we talked about how Preston experienced a lot of immigration from German-speaking countries. With the increase in railways and the lack of a stop in Preston, that had changed by the early 1850s. German immigrants were instead settling in other communities within the German company lands. This led to Preston no longer being the most prominent destination for German immigrants. In fact, it wasn't really a desirable place to come to in general, and it saw an actual population decrease in the 1870s. This didn't change until about 19, um, the early 1900s, after the building of electric railways that connected Preston to its neighbors. After the struggles experienced with the first railway, you can understand how reluctant Preston might be in getting involved in another railway adventure. So it didn't go anywhere for a few years. In 1893, things finally got going with after Preston uh, negotiated having the railway's um, powerhouse, uh, machine shop, and car barns uh, located in Preston. The first line began in 18. Um, 94 from Galt to Preston with a further line to Hessler a year later. Another separate line was built to connect Preston to Berlin, which is now Kitchener. The electric rail was a huge boost that Preston needed, allowing it to become one of the first towns in the area at the turn of the 20th century. 
As with Galt and Hessler, this is just part one of the early history of Preston. In the future, I'm going to try and uh, cover the years from the First World War on. There's so much to discuss that I don't want to jam it all into one episode, nor do I want to bore you with an hour-long episode. So stay tuned for part two of the early history of Preston. And I don't worry, I haven't forgot about Blair. I thought about adding it to this episode, as its um, history is uh, inexorably tied to Preston. Next up are several different options. I'm considering a family history-focused episode, where I go over how to research your family history um, and your family tree, while also using mine as an example of how much fun this uh, type of research can be. Or maybe I'll ask the listeners to submit topics. The good news is there's almost an unlimited number of topics we can discuss when discussing the history of Cambridge. Once again, I'm going to recommend Jim Quantrell as a part of our past as our book recommendation. It served as the main source uh, for my information in this episode. It's a great starting point for anyone looking to learn about local history, and I can't recommend it enough. It's available through our local libraries. So that's our first look at the history of Preston. I hope you enjoyed this look at the beginnings of the German settlement with an English name. If you haven't already, please follow the podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Also, follow the Facebook page and Instagram page for more updates as we continue to explore our story.